And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. If you would open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We have freedom in Christ. Hear Paul proclaim it to us in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision... Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who will be justified by the law, you who have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. If you would join with me in prayer as we ask God's blessing, not only on the reading, but also the preaching of His Word. God, I pray that You would, by Your Spirit, free us from the shackles of seeking to be justified by our own righteousness. Free us in Christ because it is, in, it is for freedom that He has set us free. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have good news for you this morning. You know, I should probably say I have good news for you every morning I stand up and proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus. But the good news that I have for you this morning is the gospel. And specifically it is that you are free in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ you are free from condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are free to do what you most want to do. And I know that if you are in Christ, it is the utmost desire of your heart to please Him in every way, to walk with Him, to be effective in His kingdom. And in Jesus Christ, you are free to do that very thing. In Jesus Christ, you are free from the fear of rejection and punishment by God. You are free from the anxiety of wondering what will happen tomorrow. Because you're in God's hands. Your tomorrow, your every day is in God's hands and He works all things together for your good. So you are free from worrying about tomorrow. You are free from the guilt-ridden life that so many people wear as a yoke around their neck. In Jesus Christ, you are free from the touchiness 
the irritability, the insecurity, the discouragement that comes from being unsure of your standing before God. In Jesus Christ, you are free from the pride and the self-aggrandizement and the, the fake actions towards others that is motivated by finding your self-worth in what you do for others. You're free from all that. You're free from the compulsory obedience that obeys God and obeys moral codes out of fear of not doing enough. You are free from hiding from God. You are free from hiding from others. You are free from hiding from yourself. I think a lot of, I know a lot of gossip, a lot of blame shifting, a lot of defensiveness are simply techniques by which we hide ourselves from God or from others or even from ourselves. You're free from those things. You are free from being controlled by letting other people's expectations and uh, the approval of others. You're free from letting those things become the moral standard of your life. You're free from despair in troubles. I think some people wait for the next bad thing to happen. Uh, because you know you don't measure up to God's standards and so God is just hanging with a heavy hand over you waiting for you to get out of line and then then to crush you. You're free from that kind of thinking because you can trust in the never-failing goodness of God regardless of the hardships, the sufferings, the pains, the griefs that come into your life. You are free from the begrudging repentance. Uh, And what I mean by begrudging repentance is is being slow to admit failure or slow to to admit sin because admitting those things is a last resort because it means admitting admitting your moral inadequacy. So you're, you're free from that begrudging repentance. Does this sound too good to be true? It is true. It is the most wonderful news in all the world. The gospel can turn your entire approach to living life upside down. Or should I say, the gospel can turn your entire approach to living right side up. It is the world that is living without this freedom. It is the world that is living their lives in an upside down fashion. When they try to gain their freedom by casting off the constraint of living for God, they end up in slavery. They end up living their entire lives upside down. They end In escaping their freedom, they end up in bondage. And so do we when we forget the gospel. So do we when we make our righteousness anything other than Jesus Christ. So my message to you this morning, Paul's message to you, God's message to you, 
is you are free in Jesus Christ. So be free. Look at verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. This is a great, a great phrase. Paul is saying, Paul uses the word freedom for both the noun and the verb. Or as Tim Keller says, freedom is both the means and the ends of the Christian life. It's the end, the purpose of your Christian life. For freedom, Christ has set you free. That is the purpose for which He saved you. For freedom. And how does you give how does he give you this freedom? By giving you freedom. The means uh, is Christ has set us free. He has set us free for freedom. And the verb here um, for for free in terms of him setting us free. It's in the aorist tense. Those of you who know a little bit of Greek will know that the aorist tense is in the past tense. In other words, he's saying, if you are in Jesus Christ, you are already free. He's not saying that you're in the process of becoming free. He's not saying that at some point in the future you will come to a point of freedom. No, he is saying that if you are in Jesus Christ, you are presently free. And so, because you are free, God wants you to live in that freedom. You are free. You may have a hard time accepting this because you may have recognized yourself in that earlier list that I read at the beginning. You may be saying, I don't feel free. And then you may be saying, what if I'm not free? What if it means that I'm not a Christian? If that is your mode of thinking and you trust in Jesus Christ, what it tells me is that as part of your foundation, mixed in there with Christ, is some sense of basing your righteous or your standing with God on your own actions. And I want to tell you this morning, flee from that sort of works righteousness. This is what Paul is telling to the telling the Galatians in, in uh, chapter five, verses one through four. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Jesus Christ did not save us in order to to enslave us. He saved us in order that He might set us free. Christ has paid the entire price for your freedom. 
Uh, He paid the entire price for your salvation. You don't have to earn your salvation. You don't have to do good works to, um, to boost your standing with God. Christ purchased your standing with God by His obedience. He purchased your salvation by His death on the cross in the place of sinners. And if you are in Christ, you are clothed with Him. And that is all you need. You need Jesus and nothing else. He is all you will ever need. You are secure in Christ. And you are free to really live. So Paul says, don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. And I want you to feel the full weight of his warnings in verses 2 through 4. He says, if you submit to the yoke of slavery and make it your life commitment, he says Christ will be of no advantage to you, verse 2. He says that if you make it your life commitment to to um, have your standing with God be based on your own righteousness, he says, well then what you're doing is you are obligating yourself to be perfect. Verse 3, you are obligated to keep the whole law. If you think that keeping the law is what is going to make you righteous with God, your obligation is to keep it perfectly. Verse 4, he says that if you are finding your standing before God in your own works, he says you are severed from Christ. It is very dangerous to resubmit yourself to this yoke of slavery. The problem is, that's where most of us live. On a day-to-day basis, when we are squeezed by the trials of life, we look to our own standing, we look to our own righteousness, we look to our own protection rather than looking outside of ourselves and fixing our gaze on our Lord Jesus Christ. If you found yourself in that first list, if if you find yourself where I find myself repeatedly throughout my day, I want to assure you that it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. Look at verse 10. In chapter 5. In verse 10, Paul says, I have confidence in the Lord. He's speaking to these Galatians. He's speaking to these ones who he says are in danger of falling away. He says to them, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine and that the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is. In other words, he is telling them, I have confidence you Galatians, you who are tempted to go the route of circumcision, 
who are being troubled by these Judaizers who are telling you that you've got to become a Jew um, in order to become a Christian or that you've got to add circumcision to Christ. He's saying, I have confidence that you will end up turning back to the proper, the, the true doctrine, turning back to Christ and away from circumcision. But he is warning them in the utmost terms in verses 2 through 4 of relying on circumcision or relying on self-righteousness or relying on, on religiousness. Um, and the reason why this is so dangerous and why he warns them so is he, he knows that you cannot add, add to Christ Christ plus circumcision without at the very same time subtracting from Christ. We live in Christ. That is enough. That is all that we can do. But yet, we still, because we are still sinners, we live in consistent life. Inconsistent lives. And the best way I can try to explain this by giving full voice to Paul's warning, yet at the same time giving this assurance that uh, I want you to have as you are in Christ, is there's a continuum between a person who is living completely on their self-righteousness and a person who is living in the confident freedom that comes from being rooted in Christ, standing on His grace. And there's this continuum here. And we live within this continuum as because we're still sinners. If you were here on this side, trusting in yourselves, you are outside Jesus Christ. But if you're here somewhere in the middle and you say, I believe, help my unbelief. If you were like that sinner at the back of the church, Lord, I am a sinner. And confess your sin to the Lord. That is a person who is ultimately rooted in grace. It's that that sinner in the front of the church. I guess I'm in the front of the church. <laughs> I don't know what that's. But the sinner in the front of the church in Jesus' parable who says, Lord, I thank you that I am so righteous that I'm not like that sinner in the back of the church. That's the person who is in danger of their entire eternity uh, being lost. to God's presence. That is the person who will spend eternity uh, apart from God. The only way we can have life with God is through Jesus Christ. Being rooted in Him. But because we're sinners, I guess this is the way um, I look at it from time to time. It's, It's like, because I'm a sinner, I'm drawn this way toward me. But I'm, I'm rooted in Christ, and it's almost like on a rubber band, and as I start drifting away, God brings me back to Himself by His Spirit and by His Word. And I'll say more about that uh, later. I simply want to underscore how dangerous it is for us to live outside our freedom in Christ. How dangerous it is to move on that continuum back toward ourselves. Back toward our self-righteousness. It is burdensome. It is a slavery. 
and it leads toward death. But if you're in Christ, He'll bring you back. So, what does this mean? It means that we must stand firm in our freedom. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, in your freedom. How do we stand firm? Well, look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. The way we stand firm is by standing with Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't move within this continuum in our own strength, or rather we move in this continuum in our own strength the wrong way. But it is God's Spirit that brings us back to Christ. And so he says in verse 5, For through the Spirit we stand firm with Christ. And this, uh, this implies spiritual discipline. We don't shy away from the spiritual disciplines because we say we are free in Christ. Rather, we say that the spiritual disciplines have power in our life because we are free in Christ. We are empowered with Christ, and so we take hold of the means of grace that He has given us to help us stand firm. The... uh, the, the, the means of grace, reading the scriptures, prayer, praying in faith, all these things help us to d- develop more and more a frame of heart that helps us to delight in Christ, that helps us to rest in Christ, that helps us to pursue everything He has given us by His grace. So we pursue Him so that we can stand firm. We read the Scriptures for this reassurance. We read the Scriptures for this communion with God. We read Scriptures to uh, build our faith so that we can stand firm. And as I mentioned, building faith. Look again at verse 5. Through the Spirit, by faith... It is we stand firm by faith. The Holy Spirit works faith in us so that we can stand firm. I am always tempted to put on this yoke of slavery and move back down the continuum. You know, my entire job, if you will, uh, I don't like calling it that, it's a calling. Um, but it is, in one sense, based on performance. You know, I am called to serve you. And it is very tempting to turn that service into performance. It is, it is very tempting to turn uh, my work as a minister into pleasing you. And that is, that is a temptation for everyone. Those of you who are married, it's tempting to turn your love for your spouse into a performance to keep him or her happy. It's tempting, those of you who are employed, to perform for your employer. Remember what Paul says in the book of Colossians, even if you're a slave, you serve your master for the glory of God. 
not ultimately for his approval. We perform for people, for our reputation before other people. Um, teenagers, it's tempting to perform for your parents or small children to perform for your parents uh, and your peers. That is slavery. That is moving down that continuum back toward ourselves. How do we escape it? We live by faith. How do we grow in our faith? Romans chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. In other words, we hear God's word as it is read. We hear it as it is proclaimed. We read it for ourselves. We study it. We memorize it. But in so doing... We're not simply filling our head with Bible knowledge. We're not simply just um, growing our theological knowledge. We are growing in our communion with God. And by doing that, we are growing in our faith, in our our standing in Christ. Uh, Our standing in freedom becomes more and more firm. Yes, we'll still be drug away, but but the, the rubber band will become more taunt, more more strengthened as we stand firm in faith. When I read God's Word for my own private devotions, oftentimes as I'm reading, I have to stop halfway. Or if I'm journaling and, and writing down my thoughts, because when God's Word grips me, the best thing I can do, instead of finishing my Bible reading, is I go outside and pray. And I spend time with God. And I spend time with Him communing on what His Word has said to me. He speaks and I hear and I go and I spend time with Him. That is how we grow in our relationship with God through His Word. We stand firm by moving forward, verses 5 and 6, and I'm going to try and um, move as quickly through this part as I can. In verse 5, he says, essentially, we move forward by eagerly waiting. Now, when you think of a person waiting, you don't think of a person moving forward. But he talks about eagerly waiting, energetically waiting for the hope of righteousness. Hope here is not this, I hope so, I think so. No, it is a firm certainty. It is a powerful assurance. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, faith is being certain of what we hope for. Uh, Anita, um, the you, you understand what it means to eagerly await when you've got all the children out here ready to be picked up in Carline with, from Westminster Academy. You know, they are ready to get home and play with their friends. They're ready to get home and have their snack. They're waiting, but there's an energetic waiting as, as their parents are lined up uh, ready to come get them. And that is what it means to eagerly hope. We are not just sitting on our, on our duffs. We're not just sitting um, waiting for, for Christ to come back. There's an energetic waiting as we wait for the hope of righteousness. In other words, what he's saying is that we live our lives today in light of eternity. That's the reason we read that passage from Second uh, Corinthians or earlier in the service. The best way to wait in faith 
the best way to keep from going back this continuum toward ourselves and toward our self-righteousness is to, by faith, plant our faith in the promises of God. Plant our faith in our future promises. And strain toward heaven. We eagerly await that that uh, our eternity. We eagerly await our our lives being brought in full and complete conformity with the righteousness we have in Jesus Christ. We have a righteous standing in Christ. We want our lives, our motivations, our desires to match up completely with the righteousness we presently have. And so we cast our faith into the future, into heaven. And then God brings us forward. And if we're moving this way, it's much more difficult to be moving this way. And I think that's what he's saying in verse 5. We, we eagerly await that hope of righteousness. We're energized by that hope. We're straining forward rather than backwards in our faith. And then finally, we move forward by exercising our faith through love. Verse 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. What he's saying there, to put it in our terms, in, in contemporary terms, Neither being a pagan, being completely irreligious, agnostic, atheist, whatever, that counts for nothing. Being religious, okay, either uncircumcision or circumcision. Circumcision is a religious rite. That counts for nothing either. Being irreligious or religious, those don't, don't count for anything. All that counts, he says, is faith working itself through love. Christianity is not a private religion. Christianity looks outside itself. Religion that looks inside itself is moving down this way on the continuum. Christianity looks outside itself. It looks to God, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That is, I know that is your desire as a believer. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Christianity looks outside itself. Irreligion or false religion or religion looks at oneself and if you are so gripped on yourself it's impossible for you to look out toward others to love them and to love God that's the danger of moving down this continuum that's the danger of self love and so how do you grow? by faith faith in the promises of God faith working itself out in love. You grow in your in your freedom by letting go of yourself. Or to quote the Lord Jesus, uh, a person cannot or a seed cannot live unless it falls to the ground and dies. You cannot experience the joy and happiness 
that Jesus promises us if you're seeking for your joy and your happiness. You, you, you receive that joy and the happiness by looking outside yourself to your neighbor, to your fellow church member, even to your enemy, and loving them and loving God. The happiness, the fulfillment, the purpose, all those things will take care of themselves. Let's pray together. Almighty God, again I pray that you would um, help us not to put on that that, uh, yoke of slavery. Help us not to move down that continuum towards self and self-righteousness. Father, it is by your Spirit. It is by your Spirit using your Word, building faith in us. It is by your Spirit uh, building faith in us, helping us to die to ourselves that we might look outside ourselves to you and to our neighbor that we move forward. Help us, our God, by your Spirit, not to put on that yoke of slavery. Or rather, help us to recognize when we put on that yoke of slavery that there is an opportunity for us to flee back to the Lord Jesus Christ and seek Him again for the grace that we need. I pray in His name. Amen.